Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and today we have the great honor of having Nicolette James with us. Nicolette is an educational trainer and coach who believes that being a leader is about having a vision for the creation of a better future and inspiring others to help you reach that vision. She has aspired to model that belief as an English teacher and the head of the English department at Westbury High School for 15 years. She is the founder of Empowered Women, a nonprofit organization where she has served as a mentor and leadership coach for women and girls for over 10 years. She has most recently launched a new business called Educating with Intention, a product and professional development service provider created to assist and support learners and leaders of all ages in bettering themselves for the purpose of bettering the world. Nicolette's passion is educating others about mindful awareness and personal growth, actionable planning and organization, thoughtful reflection and effective communication. In thought and deed, with colleagues and companions, she strives to walk her talk in being someone who leads with heart and integrity. Her childhood aspiration was to reach, teach, and influence others in the attainment of their goals. As a servant leader, she believes that any day that she is able to assist another in striving towards the fulfillment of their maximum potential is a day she is living her dream. So welcome, Nicolette James. How are you? I am doing very well. How are you? Good. I have a little bit of allergies, so you'll hear that, I'm sure. But we are so happy to have you on our podcast. And as you know, this podcast takes us on a journey to master leadership. And we mm. want to do that today by asking you key questions. So are you ready to pour into our listeners? I am. Awesome. So Nicolette, can you tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now? Hmm, my path to leadership. Okay, well, first, let me couch it in what my very general definition of leadership is. And for me, that's being willing to take responsibility for getting something done Mm -hmm. that involves enlisting other people in doing it too. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. that said, I've always been an I'll do it person. So Mm -hmm. all throughout high school, college, my religious and social organizations, et cetera, to this day, I've always held leadership positions. Mm-hmm. As far as my career goes, I'm currently the English department chairperson at Westbury High School, and I have been in this position for about 13 years now. Mm, wonderful. If I heard correctly, you said that you were an I'll do it kind of person? Yes. Okay, so how did you shift from that mindset to I'll lead? and elicit the help of others? From the beginning, I would say that 
the I'll do it person is not the one who's saying I'll do it by myself. Okay. It's like, I will take responsibility for getting this done. And then once I accept that responsibility, then mm-hmm. I enlist the other folks that I will need to um, help me to get whatever it is done much better. Got it. And the reason I ask is because I used to be an I'll do it by myself kind of person. Mm, Well, that has also been a part of my journey, too. (laughs) I had to shift once I learned. I love your definition of leadership, and it resonates with a lot of us because we do need to take on that responsibility, but also elicit the help of others to get anything significant done. Nicolette, how would you describe your leadership style? My leadership style, I think, is best described as servant leadership. Mm -hmm. I know that there have been a few books written about that. And in reading them, I would say that the way I strive to lead best aligns with the definition of service leadership, whereas I think I lead best from the side. Mm -hmm. Like, so not necessarily leading out in front, there's a little bit of out in front, not always leading from behind, but right next to. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like being the guide who is visible, but not necessarily holding on to you. Let's say like if you're giving swimming lessons mm-hmm. and we're in the water, but eventually you have to like let the person go, but I'm still right there. So they know that they can trust that they won't drown because I'm still right here if you need me, but I'm going to let you do what you need to do because you need to learn how to swim. So I'm right beside those folks that I got. And I think because I'm there to serve, to help them do whatever it is we're trying to do better and to help them do that better, I have to put myself in a position to facilitate their growth in whatever ways that will allow them to do that to excellence. So servant leadership, and I love that, but what is it that pulls you to that type of leadership? I think having a mission that is always sort of greater than oneself kind of creates the servant leader Mm -hmm. because you realize that it's really not about you as the leader. And I think that's a hard thing for most leader types to sort of uh, deal with because we are, you know, type A and driven and, you know, tend to want to do things our way. But when we realize that whatever the mission is, is not really about us, Mm -hmm. I think that's when we transform into more servant leader than any other type of leader. Great. So Nicolette, which quote or quotes about leadership speak to you and why? Okay. These are very difficult questions because I'm an avid reader. So I've read so much about leadership and everything involving leadership. So it's very difficult to narrow down. But I would say that the ones that resonate most with me right now in this moment. I can share two of them. And one, now what I have is my definition of leadership, which comes from the Harvard Business School. Mm -hmm. And that definition is that leadership is about making others better as a result of your presence and making sure that impact lasts in your absence. So like leaving a legacy. Yes. And not necessarily just the legacy of later. But -hmm. I think for me, it's true because true leadership is not simply about compliance, because compliance only works when you're there to oversee it. You know, whereas ownership and identity 
happens all the time, mm-hmm. you know, and I believe that those are the most important traits to cultivate in one's team mm-hmm. so that they are still working towards the mission when no one else is there, if it's just them and the leader isn't present. Right. So that's one of them. And mm-hmm. then another quote that I really love right now about leadership is that presenting leadership is a list of qualities like strategic, analytic, performance oriented. And I don't think that those hold, but it says instead, true leadership stems from individuality that is honestly and sometimes imperfectly Mm. expressed. Leaders should strive for authenticity over perfection. I love that. Yeah, I love that (laughs) one right now too. (laughs) It's, It's pretty freeing, isn't it? Yes, it is. So that's great. Thank you so much for those. Now, Nicolette, what type of leader are you inspired by and why? So many I'm inspired by. Mm -hmm. Leaders such as the Dalai Lama, Mother Teresa, John Maxwell, Mm -hmm. of course, uh, so many and a variety of leaders. And I think because many of them bring to the idea of leadership so many different aspects of it Mm -hmm. and they embody like a lot of the things that I value in leaders, which is usually like someone who does not lose sight, again, of the mission, lose sight of the people or the purpose and is not necessarily intoxicated by their position or their power. Mm -hmm. And I'm inspired by leaders who are not afraid to do the right thing when that thing may be against the spoken or unspoken rules. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a leader that I'm inspired by is someone who truly listens and is willing to allow for growth and failure by allowing people to lead themselves. And I think people can lead themselves if they're just guided in the right direction and that a true leader actually inspires leadership in others. Hmm. I love those leaders you mentioned and I love those qualities. And especially when you said a leader who's not afraid to do the right thing, even if it goes against them, actually, whatever choice they make is not so much beneficial to them, but beneficial to the whole purpose and the passion and their mission. So I really appreciate that. Nicolette, what's the best advice you've ever received? The best advice I've ever received incorporates many others. So I'll say that one of them is if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. I think that's the best advice that I received. And it was from my high school rowing coach, actually. And he used to tell us that all the time. (laughs) He wanted to encourage us to work as a team because rowing is a team sport. And so there isn't any one person who's being singled out for success. It goes the same way for failure. There isn't any one person. So it takes a team. And so we need to always keep that in mind that sometimes, you know, when you want to get something done, like we were saying at the beginning, having that responsibility and wanting to do everything ourselves, that's a habit that is very hard to break. Mm -hmm. But realizing that sometimes when we want to do something quick and do it fast, that we can do it ourselves. But if we want to uh, sustain what we're striving to accomplish, that it's better to take others along with us. Now, you were on a team, a rowing team, was that? Mm -hmm. So speaking of teams, I'm sure you've been on many teams. And so what does it mean to have a good team? And how would you build or sustain one? Okay, I think a good team is connected by a shared sense of purpose. You have to be focused on a why that the whole team can agree on 
or at least can see the value in. Mm -hmm. And I think that we work towards achieving the why with our how, Mm -hmm. right? By then focusing on the individuals and knowing the strengths, the values, the feedback preferences, the drives, the motivations, the communication styles of the individuals. Mm -hmm. So knowing those things about each one and then having that knowledge connected to that shared sense of purpose is what creates that team and then ultimately sustains the team. So it's important to you to connect with those on the team. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, because when you connect with them, then you know what each individual's skill set is, and then you're able to give them the room to grow or to use those skills in a way that would best support the entire mission of the team. Let's say I'm a new leader and I have a project that I need to do. What advice would you give me about building a team? Like, what's the first thing I should do? Well, do is one thing, but I think one of the first things to keep in mind as a new leader is that most new leaders come into um, situations that are already you know, pre-existing right. and people who have been there and you come in as a new leader wanting to affect some change immediately. Right. And so I would tell that individual that the only person that likes change is a wet baby. <laughs> I heard that one day and it stuck with me. And that for everyone else, change can be really hard and sometimes even painful. So they have to take it slowly. That as new leaders, any leader, new and, and continuing, mm-hmm. that we have to have patience with ourselves and with others because creating and sustaining change takes time. They should start small. Mm-hmm. And that a mountain can be made one stone at a time, and it can also be moved one stone at a time. So they shouldn't try to do everything at once. I'm saying this to a a new leader and also reinforcing it even for myself as a leader who has been in a position for quite some time. But as leaders, we like action. We like to get things done, you know, (laughs) but we have to remember that we cannot do everything well at the same time. Mm -hmm. And that small incremental changes make sustainable difference because trust isn't earned overnight. We have to get to know people and that takes time. So I think that's critical. It's having that mindset first. And then everything else, as far as like actual skills that you need to do whatever you need, you develop those on the job. Mm-hmm. You mentioned patience, and this is certainly you know an area where I had to grow because John Maxwell in the Twenty One mm-hmm. Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, he speaks about the law of process, and that particular law was very hard for me because, as you said, I'm a doer, right? So I like to get things done, and I like to see results quickly. But any significant result will take time and yep. a process, and so I've had to embrace that. And now it's something that I. I enjoy like it's a journey. It's it's watching yes. things evolve and happen. So that's great advice. Thanks so much for that. Now, can you tell us about a challenge that you've experienced and how it has shaped your life? To be honest, the challenges that have truly shaped who I am um, personally and professionally have been personal tragedies that I've suffered. I lost two brothers unexpectedly, one to meningitis and the other to an aneurysm. Yeah. Before they were even 20 years old. Oh my gosh. I lost, I also lost a favorite uncle and a best friend, both in their early twenties. And, um, those events sort of put me in a position 
at a very young age where I had to then be supportive of the other people who were also grieving the loss of these individuals. Mm -hmm. And I think that experience brought out my ability to empathize and to be compassionate and to be comforting and receptive and knowledgeable about people and their vulnerabilities. And those have all shaped and defined and contributed to the way I see the world and interact with others. But I think for me, it also presented a challenge that I still struggle with to this day. And it's allowing others to then support me, you know, when I'm feeling vulnerable. And it's like I'm plagued with always feeling that I have to be strong for Mm -hmm. everyone else, you know, and even in times when I'm in need of emotional support myself. So um, I would say those events have actually been the challenges that have shaped me the most. Hmm. Nicolette, thank you so much for sharing that. And I know that that was hard. I can hear it in your voice. Um, But know that there are many of us who have experienced those things. I mean, I experienced loss of siblings, two of them as well. So I certainly connect with you here. But I also want to say that you are a person who's very easy to connect with. The first time I met you, I was drawn to you. So know that that certainly is very visible in your life. Thank you. Um, and I'm very honored to know you. And the fact that you're on the podcast is awesome because you're pouring into us. And I appreciate your authenticity and your vulnerability. Thank you so much. So, Nicolette, can you tell us about one of your greatest successes and how it has shaped you and the lives of those around you? Okay. So that's a hard question, too, because I don't feel like... I've had wild success Mm -hmm. just yet. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to think about in terms of what other people might define as success. But I think that my greatest success is still being on the path, is still walking the journey. And I think thus far, simply being true to my values and to what I believe is my professional mission has been my success that I live every day Mm -hmm. in that I taught and continue to teach because I still teach and mentor many students, adolescents and adults who contact me all the time to tell me of the impact that I've had in their lives on a personal and professional level. I also work with a team of wonderful people who affirm that I walk my talk. And to me, that's success because I'm actually doing what I get up to do every day. Right. That's pretty powerful because walking the journey can be a struggle day to day. So Mm. I applaud you. And I really appreciate that. And I know that you're making an impact on those you touch. So thanks so much for that. Now, Nicolette, what would you tell a new leader who's discouraged about their working climate or culture? Well, this similar to what we were saying earlier about new leaders is just that desire to make an immediate impact. I think that's what we all as leaders need to just keep in mind that slow and steady, slow and steady wins the race. I think we all just jump in because the desire to lead is that feeling of let's jump in and get this done. But again, thinking about the long term, if it is a a long term endeavor, then we need to really think long term. And that means just slowing down Mm -hmm. and focusing on a few things, not everything, because when we try to do everything, you do nothing well. So focusing on a few things and then actually taking the time to measure those things and to reflect on what you're doing and to move forward from there. 
So would you recommend that leaders have coaches or mentors? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's so funny that you should ask that because one of my pet peeves, and especially in education, is that a lot of what is told to teachers about best practice Mm -hmm. seems to just go out the window when it then is Mm -hmm. done on the administrative level. Mm -hmm. For example, everyone knows that a new teacher could benefit from the support of a buddy teacher or a mentor teacher. However, it seems that No one really thinks that new leaders (laughs) might need a support system as well. So, you know, you would think that that might be something that would be common knowledge, but it isn't. And it's like, well, why not? And so I absolutely think that new leaders can definitely benefit from having a mentor or a coach. Yeah. And especially since a lot of the preparation for leadership isn't very strong, in my opinion. I agree. Um, We're taught, I guess, administrative tasks. We're given case studies and maybe a little bit on emotional intelligence, but not a whole lot on true good leadership practices. And so I think you're spot on about this. And this is why we're doing this so that we can all continue to master leadership together. Right. So thanks for that insight. So Nicolette, many leaders describe themselves as lifelong learners. What does that mean to you? And what are you learning now? Well, Einstein, one of the greatest scientists of all time, Mm -hmm. said that throughout his entire career that he never considered himself an expert because that would be the moment that he stopped being curious Mm. and that the key to lifelong learning is curiosity. And I agree. I think that always wanting to know more Mm -hmm. about anything and everything is what keeps us moving forward Because similar to what he said, the moment you stop, once you are standing still, you're actually going backwards. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so I think always having what's called in Buddhism a beginner's mind and never thinking that you know too much about whatever your area is always helps you to get better in that area because you still want to learn more about it. Mm -hmm. I think for me, as I mentioned in the beginning, I'm always reading And I love information. I love curating information. And right now, anything that I'm curious about, I'll just start reading like everything that I can read about it. Mm -hmm. And then once I feel like, okay, I have enough information on that, then I'm, you know, onto another subject. And so what is it that you're learning now? Well, I love technology Mm -hmm. and I'm an early adopter of all kinds of like tech gizmos, gadgets, apps, anything, you name it, I would have it because I love to have them. It's delicious when it works. When (laughs) it doesn't, you want to just slam it across the floor. (laughs) Yep. I love applications, programs, you know, so I'm always on the lookout for those. And one of my goals as an educator as well is to think of an idea one day. It hasn't come to me yet, but to think of an idea that would be transformational in the use of Google products the Google Apps for Education. Mm -hmm. They already have an academy and everything for this that allows you to become certified as a Google innovator. Mm -hmm. So one of my goals is to actually become a Google innovator one day. So in order to do that, though, you have to sort of climb the ladder of Google teacher certification. So right now I'm on level one, Mm -hmm. but I'm working my way up. So I'm learning as much as I can about how to integrate technology into education. Again, I love using technology purposefully in the classroom and with educators as well to enhance teaching and learning. So I'm always working on how to do that better. 
In addition to that, I also happen to be a first-year doctoral student. Oh, wow. Wonderful. And what's your focus? Education leadership. Great. Congratulations to you. Um, Thank you. But hang on, you can hold it for what, two and a half more years? Just starting that is a process. So, (laughs) all right. Nicolette, if there were something you could change in education in the U.S., what would that be? You know what? I wouldn't start by changing very much in education. Mm -hmm. And let me explain what I mean by that. Mm -hmm. Instead of focusing on education, I would address poverty in the United States first because I believe that that's the root of the problem. Mm. I think that many of the issues we face in education are the result of the systemic issues caused by poverty. I read an article recently that says education can do a lot of things, but it cannot resolve the persistent and economic problem of extreme poverty felt by tens of millions of Americans. And I agree with that statement because I don't believe that the changes in education alone, without contributions from other social and economic reforms, are enough to close the gaps that we have between our highest achieving students and our lowest. So I would actually start with that. I would look at some of the issues that are being discussed nationwide, such as we're always being compared like on these various lists, like the PISA list and so forth, to countries like Singapore and Finland, who rank very high on those lists. But according to recent studies, 22% of all U.S. children and 25% of young children live in poverty. Mm -hmm. And many of our low-income families and students don't have access to preschool education, healthcare, and other social supports, such as stable housing, which exist in those countries. And so the increasing income gap and inequality in educational funding that we have here are the issues that I would address. Powerful, and I agree with that, which is... Also, something that leadership can look to change and to shift. Now, you're an avid reader. So what have you read lately that our listeners should read and why? Okay, well, I just told you that Mm -hmm. I am a doctoral student. Mm -hmm. So I haven't read very much lately Mm -hmm. that is outside of schoolwork, you know, and all of the things that are assigned reading. However, there are many, many books that I have read that I could recommend. It's still very difficult to narrow down. However, I will offer three. I was going to say top three. (laughs) Okay, top three in this moment and connecting with some of the things that we've been talking about so far, I would say it's a book called Quiet by Mm. Susan Cain. I love the title. Okay, and I love this book. It's about the power of introverts. The tag of the book is the power of introverts in a world that can't stop talking. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) yeah, that's one of my favorites because it validates a lot of what I had been feeling prior to reading that book. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so it really shed light on a lot of the things that I've personally been struggling with because I consider myself, and I think I am confirmed as an introvert. Confirmed. (laughs) And and the book sort of just, it made it okay to be an introvert. She, She talks a lot about what true introversion and extroversion means, Mm -hmm. and that most people simply think of extroversion as 
being gregarious, you know, and sociable and so forth. And that introverts are sort of like the shy nerds in the corner. And it's not that way at all. And I knew that because I'm not the shy nerd in the corner, but actually having the science behind it is really great. There are two things that she says in the book, and I'll mention those quickly, that there's zero correlation between being the best talker and having the best ideas. I thought that that was just such a profound thought because we often think as leaders, we're usually in situations where, you know, you're in meetings, you're at conferences, you're here or there. And it's usually the folks who can just speak up and speak a lot, who sort of just get the attention. But that's not necessarily indicative of good, you know, leadership or even just good ideas or having the information or the knowledge or whatever it is that you need. Right. Yeah. So that's one thing that really stuck with me. And another idea that I took away from the book, along with many others, is that everyone shines given the right lighting. I thought that was profound because she talks about a lot of ways that as introverts, that we have to sort of find the situations that we do thrive in. It may not be in those social situations where you have a million people in front of you that you have to network with and no, perhaps may need a smaller venue for us. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's one. Another really good book for leaders is called Everyone Paddles by Charles Archer. I can see why you picked that book. Yeah, the title pretty much says exactly what it's about. And my background in rowing drew me to it. So it's almost like my rowing coach could have written that book because a lot of the things that are echoed in here are the things that he tried to embody us with at the time. So one of the central ideas in that book is that in an environment where folks can be isolated and yet connected by technology, that a successful and balanced approach still requires non-digital interaction with Mm. people. That's one key point. And another one is about a key factor in our leadership role Mm -hmm. is that we are leaders to open doors, to build bridges and to remove barriers for others. So you have to teach and coach. You have to be firm and fair. He says we have to create the team and make the team the center and the focus. And that in the end, leadership is about getting the team into the boat and then giving them what they need to start paddling. Love it. Mm -hmm. And then last but not least, of the three, one that sort of speaks to communication, because that's very important to me, because it's through communication that we deal with people and interact with people. And so it is very important for leaders to be good communicators. And so in this particular book, the authors have a phrase that they call shared meaning, And she says that the pool of shared meaning is the birthplace of synergy and that leaders who are skilled at communicating do their best to make it safe for everyone to add their meaning to the shared pool, even if those ideas at first glance may seem controversial or at odds with your own or to the beliefs of the group, that the idea is that when people are heard and they feel validated, they're more willing to work towards a cause wholeheartedly. Unlike when they don't, you know, and then they kind of just go along half-heartedly or simply to comply. And as we know, he who complies against his will is of his own opinion still. And so you usually don't get the best from those folks. Right. And that's essential, not just to communicate, but to connect with others. Yes. And then just a bonus. I absolutely love Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg. Mm-hmm. That book really resonated with me because I am also a strong advocate and supporter of women and girls. And so the entire premise of the book is based on work, women, and the will to lead. 
That's the tag for the book. There are so many things in that book that I love. But one of the statements that she makes that resonated with me the most is that effective communication starts with understanding that there's my point of view, this point of view, and that for both of us, that's the truth. And that rarely there's ever one absolute truth. So people who believe that they are speaking the truth are very silencing of others. And that when we recognize that we can see things only from our own perspective, we can share our views in a non-threatening way. So I thought that that was really important in terms of communication. There are many, many other excellent points that she makes about leadership and women and men in general about that book that I think that all leaders can benefit from. But yeah, so those are the three books. Well, I haven't read the books, but I have a list because as you can imagine, every week I get a list of things to read. So I'm in Audible, I'm reading, I have a book in every room. And I really appreciate this insight. And especially when you talked about valuing other people's perspective. We don't have to be right about everything. And especially for leadership, that's extremely important. Yeah. And especially for leader types, Mm -hmm. you know, these are the types of things that leaders, like you said, when we were talking about the preparation for leaders is that most people who are interested in leadership positions, these are the issues we need to deal with because these are things that tend to be pretty hard for us, you know, not wanting to be wrong, always thinking that we have to be right. I'm the leader. I have to be right. No, it's not about that at all. So thank you so much for that. And speaking of preparation, Mm -hmm. what do you do on a daily basis to set your mind for the responsibilities that you have? Well, for me, it all starts the night before. I'm a huge planner, organizer. I think about these things a lot. And so I always plan ahead for everything to a fault. I actually need to be more spontaneous at times. But the night before, I will think about what the next day will look like. And then I will set my intention for the next day. And then I will list what my big three, so three of my biggest priorities for the day. And then I'll have that ready to go for the morning so that as soon as I'm up and I've already participated in whatever my morning routine is, then I'm ready to go with those priorities. And I get that because, you know, I'm a planner as well. And I find that that's so important for me to help me set my mind. Why is that important for a leader to do? It is very important because if you don't know, you find out very quickly that each day comes with its own fires. And so we have to be prepared for those things that we cannot control Mm -hmm. by having as much control over the things that we can And so when we take the time to plan and to address some of the things that we will be able to take care of, then it it leaves room to deal with those things that, you know, just pop up and other people's issues that we're always being presented with. We have a lot more that we can then give to other people when we have tighter control over what we need to do. That is so true. If we set our mind, especially at the beginning of the day, then we're more receptive to what yes. comes. Now, many leaders put in long hours. What advice would you give leaders about maintaining balance? <laughs> well, I would need someone to give me some advice. <laughs> yeah, I put in a lot of hours myself. But as far as the maintaining balance portion, I actually don't strive for balance. I don't believe in balance as an idea. I get this from someone who should know because Nick Walenda, He says about walking the tightrope that you're never completely 
standing straight up that others who are observing might think that, oh, you know, it's all about balance and standing straight up, but you're always sort of leaning more to one side and then to the other side and kind of like, you know, attempting to balance. Mm -hmm. You're never really balanced, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? And I think that that worked for me as a concept because prior to it, I had always been striving for what everybody calls, you know, that work-life balance and, you know, you have to balance. No, I think I attend to whatever needs my attention Mm -hmm. at the time. And that doesn't necessarily result in balance. It means that if this thing needs me now, I'm going to give more time and more attention to it right now. And this other thing won't get as much time and attention. It won't be 50-50. It'll be whatever it is as it needs to be. Mm-hmm. So I know that the concept of balance is really hard, right? As someone who needs help in this area, I think a lot of us <laughs> leaders need help in this area. But do you find that it's important to have someone speak into your life about this? Because sometimes we don't see that we're devoting too much time and energy to this one thing because we're passionate. You know, we want to get something done. We want to get something finished. We want to cross that T dot, that I. Do you find that having people speak into your life is helpful in this area? Yes, I do. And it goes back to the idea of coaching, which is why I am a coach. And I address this area with folks that I coach. And sometimes, as you said, just having that person to say to you or for you to take a moment to reflect on what are the various areas of your life and how much attention are you giving to them and just saying, well, you might want to look at this a little bit and think about whether you need to give some more attention here or take away a little bit of time here in order to dedicate to something else. So I agree, we all could definitely use that. And sometimes being in the position as a leader and a coach yourself, that we do need someone else because when you're you know, busy telling everyone else, it's like, well, okay, who's telling you? So yes, I definitely believe that that is the case. Okay, great. Now, Nicolette, if you were to go back in time, what advice would you give the younger you about leadership? It's not going to happen on the timeline that you set for yourself. I would tell just my younger self that, you know, it would just apply to everything that it won't go by the timeline. Again, just being that very planned person, it was like, okay, this is going to happen at this time and then this time and then this one. And by this time, this should happen and I'll have this and I'll have this and that, you know, and that was the same with leadership. It's like, okay, I'm going to come in and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And it's going to all happen by September 20, you know, 11. But no, it doesn't go like that. So don't expect it to. That's the advice that I would give myself. Great. Now, I'm sure listeners want to learn more about how to contact you. Can you tell us a bit about your organization and how our listeners can contact you? Okay. For the purposes of this discussion, I'll tell you a little bit about the business that I most recently launched, and that's called Educating with Intention. Right now, I have one product that I've created. It's called the Intentional Educator Planner. And the planner is built on the philosophy that in order to be effective educators, so teachers and leaders, that we need to be reflective practitioners. Mm -hmm. And so in thinking about what it is that we want to do, we also have to look back at what we have done and then strategize for how we can improve. 
And so that's mm-hmm. built into the planner in many different ways. There are different places where you can respond to some questions about teaching and learning monthly and then weekly. There's another space where you can reflect on many different areas of your life, because, again, the goal is to be integrated in as many ways as we can and to look at how we are addressing and attending to the various aspects of our lives. And then there's the professional reflection space where we can think about, you know, how we are becoming better educators and leaders. So that's a huge component of the planner because that's the philosophy that it's created on. And so part of what my goal is to not just have a planner, but a philosophy. And so I would like to offer educators and leaders the opportunity to talk about some of these ideas that we've even talked about here. And as a result, the planner is a tool to support the philosophy. I love that. It's a planner and a journal. So you have everything there and you can reflect and grow and see the process and see the growth, correct? Yes. Awesome. I think that's really smart. So how can our listeners get this planner? How can they contact you? Oh, okay. So the website is educazen.org and that's E-D-U-C-A-Z-E-N.org. And that's the planner site. However, if anyone wants to just reach out to me, they can also find me there. There's a link to contact me, but they can always contact me at nicolette.james at gmail.com. Perfect. Nicolette, is there anything else that we haven't discussed that you'd like to share with our listeners? No, I think we've pretty much covered everything that I can think of. Yay. All right, Nicolette, I want to thank you so much for adding great value, not just to me, but to our listeners. Thank you so much for having me. I am honored and humbled. You're welcome. Have a wonderful day. You too. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hello, leaders. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. And although it's been around for centuries, coaching to develop effective leadership skills is fairly new to education and grossly underutilized. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.